Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the highlight of human civilization. It's called Coffee with Scott Adams. I don't think you could ever have a good time, this good a time, anywhere, anywhere in the universe. But if you'd like this to go up to levels that only aliens have ever seen before, all you need is a cup or a mug or a glass, a tanker, chalice or stein, a canteen, jug or flask, a vessel of any kind. Fill it with your favorite liquid. I like coffee. And join me now for the unparalleled pleasure. The dopamine end of the day, the thing that makes everything better. It's called the simultaneous sip. Go. Ah, that's good stuff, good stuff. Well, the theme for today is everything is fake, except for the things that are real, that are corrupt. So you've got things that don't exist, and also things that do exist that are totally corrupt and fake. And that's all there is. <laughs> that's it. So that's going to be the theme for today. See if you can find anything that's real in any of this bullshit. Number one, a new video of an alien shaking hands with a man. Yeah, it's one of the greys, they say. And the fact that it looks insanely fake should not, should not influence you at all. Uh, my favorite part is where it shakes hands with the human. That's right. There are people who think that the greys shake hands. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, so, uh, do you remember... Uh, I told you all, I was all happy yesterday because Amazon finally fixed the, the link to the hardcover of my book because they had a fake link that was a link to the old publisher's listing that was not a real one. So if you tried to buy my book, you would hit the fake link and you'd think it wasn't available in hardcover. So I finally got that taken down yesterday. It's back up. Fake link is back up. Yeah. Yep. Um, I believe that... Amazon says they have an automated process of some sort that they can remove it, but the automated process will run and put it back. So that only the publisher can take it away, and they don't respond to me. Isn't that like a perfect perfect story? Amazon can't give a correct link. The one they know is correct, so it's not a question of whether they know there's one that's fake. They know it's fake, they can't remove it because they say only the publisher who put it there can do it and they don't return my messages. <laughs> so uh, I'm the only person in the world who has to hire a lawyer to sue somebody just to get listed on Amazon correctly. Like So, t- so today is lawyer time. So Portfolio Penguin is going to hear from my lawyers today. Now, they probably are just ignoring me. It's, you know, it's like they got better things to do. But... I'm trying to launch a book, and Amazon can't figure out how to put the right link there. Even when they know the right link, they can't put it there. Incompetence, corruption, and bullshit. We're in an incompetence cycle like I've never seen. And it's hard to know exactly what's going on here, but nothing works. Nothing works. All right. Um... You know, I, I'm still amazed that the media is ignoring the story about 
uh, President Joe Biden calling those Nazis in Florida very fine people? I mean, can you believe he did that? The President of the United States, Joe Biden, calling Nazis, people identify as Nazis, as very fine people. It's, it's just it's mind-boggling. And the media is totally ignoring it. All right. Um, this is my favorite nickname for a public figure. Uh, you know, I like my own nickname pretty well, Claw Adams, but this, is, this one's pretty good. Uh, Glitch McConnell. <laughs> Instead of Mitch McConnell, he's Glitch McConnell. <laughs> Uh, yes, um, as I wrote in my, uh, in my Robots Read News comic that you can generally only see if, it's, if you're a subscriber on Locals, that uh, scientists have found the missing link. You know, they're always looking for that missing evolutionary link between apes and humans. But they, they now have the missing link. Uh, it was turtles. It was turtles all the time. So, because science is totally legit, and if the scientists say it's true, well, who am I to question it? It's not like I'm a scientist. So if the missing link between apes and people is turtles, sounds reasonable to me. Like, why would they lie? Right. Now, but the funny, name is, the funny thing is the name of the turtle. Uh, it's called uh, McConnellus speakerus. McConnellus speakerus is the name of the turtle they found. Um, you should just assume that nothing I say today is true. All right, uh, Thomas Massey is getting ready to sue uh, sue somebody. If uh, he's going to file a lawsuit if Biden reinstates the federal mask mandate on airplanes, who do you sue exactly? The government. Can you sue the federal government because of mask mandates? I don't know who you would sue, but he's going to sue somebody. So good for him. At least there's somebody showing some backbone and some pushback. But, you know, the, it's easy if you're sort of in one news bubble to imagine that the rest of the public feels the same way. But at least half of the public thinks that uh, masks are going to save their lives. I don't want to report this to you because I know how you're going to feel about it. But where I live masks have come out. And specifically, they're out for people who are walking alone and riding bicycles by themselves. No joke. It's the people walking alone, literally, outdoors, and on bicycles outdoors alone, fully masked. Now, what, what do I do about that? You know, the, the only solace I can take is that there was recently a uh, study that uh, backed masks for one purpose. I don't know if you saw it, but it was a study that said uh, that uh, they studied mask usage and masks are 50% effective in uh, curing ugliness. I'll wait. I'll wait. Let that sink in a little bit. Okay. You know, I actually have a theory that some people like masks because they don't like how they look. The, the people who are alone and wearing a mask, I don't really think that's about COVID. 
I feel like they're, they're taking the opportunity to cover their faces because they want to cover their faces. That's what it feels like. It doesn't feel like they're actually afraid of the virus. I mean, not riding a bicycle. It feels like they prefer having a mask on for whatever reason. But anyway, uh, Glitch McConnell, as uh, Emerald Robinson called him in a uh, tweet, she tweeted that uh, Glitch McConnell temporarily unfreezes. <laughs> this is the way we're talking about our leaders. <laughs> he tem- temporarily, he temporarily, temporarily can talk. Uh, temporarily unfreezes to spew CIA talking points <laughs> before returning to a meat locker somewhere inside the Capitol. <laughs> The GOP is a joke. All right. You know, you can take sides all you want, right? But the Republicans are a fucking disaster. There's no way around it. The Republican Party is just a disaster at this point. Yeah. Now, there are, there are certainly individuals who are stars. I, you know, I love my Thomas Massey's and Tom Cotton and a lot of the people running for president. Uh, but Really? Do you, do you want any credibility at all? Basically, leaving McConnell in office takes all the credibility from the Republican Party. The, the Democrats quite legitimately can ignore everything they say. I mean, it's very much like the uh, you know, Judge Jeanine thing, where if, if somebody lies to you about one thing, you're certainly within your logical and within your rights to imagine that everything else they say is non-credible as well. And the Republicans are trying to look credible while keeping McConnell in place. Now, you might say, but but what can they do about it? Probably everything. Probably everything. You don't think that they could get rid of him if they were unified? I don't know. I mean, I don't know what the problem is. My guess is he's got too much blackmail on people. Can you? Do you think it could be anything else? It's got to be either blackmail or he's the one who doles out the rewards. So basically, the people who need him to give them rewards, you know, some kind of, I don't know, assignments to committees or whatever the hell he does. But this could not be a more broken government. To, to say that we have a functioning government would just be a joke. We don't have a government, nor do we have an opposition. We don't have anything. You know, at least if your opposition was healthy and functioning, you could say, well, even if something happens to the government... The opposition's good. Uh, yeah, I think J.D. Vance was pushing for some legislation to ban masks, right? And I doubt it would be passed. I doubt it would be passed. Doesn't matter what people want, because the government doesn't work. Um, so I thought this was funny. As you know, the ADL is in a pitched battle with Elon Musk. So the ADL tried to destroy... Uh, Twitter when Musk bought it. And they're making claims which, of course, sound um, don't sound like they're factually true. But about uh, things got much worse on Twitter as soon as Musk took over. But they said it before he took over. I mean, they're making the claims before he'd made any changes and before the transaction was done. So you can see that the claims about Elon Musk were unrelated to anything that was actually happening factually. So... The ADL tries to destroy uh, Twitter, now X, by punishing its uh, advertisers and saying, you know, basically they'll, they'll have a big reputational problem if they, if they keep going with uh, advertising. So 
The X platform lost 60% of its advertisers, making a $22 billion investment nearly worthless, you know, unless he does something extraordinary to, to increase its value. So he's suing. And, of course, because Elon Musk is the whale in the fight, you know, he's, he's the big one that's hard to kill, it allows other people like me to be full-throated in our um, talking out against the ADL, which is a terrible organization, terrible for the country. Just imagine how terrible this is. If the X platform goes out of business, in my opinion, that's the end of free speech in the United States. Would you? Is that too far? Now, it's not as if smaller publications couldn't publish. You know, Breitbart could still publish, right? So if Breitbart can still publish, you'd say, well, that's free speech. Except, you know, Breitbart is hidden, or at least it used to be, I think it still is, by Google search. If you, if you try to look for Breitbart, it's just hidden by the search engines and the social media companies. So is that free? How about Fox News? Well, Fox News still, that's, they're free, right? Fox News was, was taking advertisement from TikTok. Do I need to connect the dots? That's not exactly a free publication if they're taking, taking advertising from a Chinese organ. That's not, that's not even close to being credible, unfortunately. I hate to say it, but I mean, that's sort of a, a line too far. And so if the, in my opinion, if the X platform goes down, that's the end of free speech. And would you agree that free speech is the only thing that holds you know, the republic together. And if America falls apart, that could have a ripple effect of a proportion we can't even imagine. So the ADL, and one person in particular, that Jonathan Greenblatt, who's a bad, bad human being, let me tell you, he's a bad person. Oh, my God. He's just evil to the core. Because what he does is smear people, like me, he smeared me in public, to, to basically ruin your life and your career for purely political gain. Now, the cover, the cover is that they're trying to get rid of uh, defamation. They're trying to get rid of discrimination and help people. But none of that's real. It probably was real when it was founded. You know, I, I, think I, I believe the ADL has a, a history of doing some good things. I wouldn't want to ignore that. But at the moment, their leader is pure evil, and he's, he's uh, ruined the reputation forever. I mean, you could never think of the ADL as anything going forward except you know, an anti-American racist organization. If I were a Jewish American, I would be really mad that the ADL is looking, making me look so bad, because I don't think you need any more problems, right? So in my opinion, the single thing that makes the, um, the Jewish community in most danger is somebody representing them who's representing them as basically the most awful creature you could possibly be. I mean, just a horrible, horrible human being. And so they tried, So there was so much pressure. You, know, you could see Glenn Greenwald and Michael Schellenberger and you know, me and a bunch of other people were sort of piling on the ADL because it's a little bit safer to do. You know, if somebody like me took the money individually, I would just be you know, creamed and wiped off the map in about a minute. 
But because there's enough firepower, there's a little bit of resistance. Now, what, what do the people, a lot of the people who are pushing back, what do they have in common? They're already canceled. Right? Like people like me are already canceled. The, the, ADL, uh, the head of the ADL labeled me in public this year a Holocaust denier, which I'm not even going to talk to. Obviously, I don't deny the Holocaust. So you know it's ridiculous. Um, and that's something they said in public about me. Right? Now, what, what problems were I causing? Like, what, what was the evil that they needed to kill? Is it, is it because I'm working on a student guide to help them be successful, specifically would help the lower-income people? That's what I'm working on. I'm working on fixing systemic racism every day. <laughs> Literally, every day. It's, it's like the main thing I'm doing. So my books are for the adults, and now we're turning it into a student guide, you know, Joshua Lysak and I. And I'm only trying to make things better. Like, I don't, have, I don't have any business model in which I make money by making things worse. Like, that, that's not even on the plate, right? But they're trying to take, uh, take away free speech. They're trying to take away whatever benefit I could give to the world. And they're doing it specifically because uh, anybody that the Democrats don't like, the ADL attacks, because they're sort of like the pit bulls for the Democrats. So they're a completely partisan organization, completely disgraced. So if you were completely disgraced and uh, probably an existential threat to humanity itself through the suppression of free speech and the ripple effect that would have, where would they go to rehabilitate themselves so that they could you know, fight back and, and show that they were serious and good people? Well, they would go on CNN. Because at least half of the country doesn't know that CNN is not a credible news organization. And I say that not as a partisan. It's just a fact. <laughs> They're not even close to being like a real news organization. But once again, they used to be. CNN used to be credible under Ted Turner. I thought that they actually covered the news. That was my impression. But at the moment, it's just propaganda. So who did they bring on to talk to Jonathan Greenblatt? Uh, Abby Hoffman? I think I have the right name. Uh, One of the prime pushers of the fine people hoax on CNN. One of the people most notably... A pusher of fake news is obvious fake news. Every, and, and CNN knows it's fake news. So it's basically a racist attack on essentially Republicans. So they bring on the least credible hoax-pushing racist so that the head of the ADL, the worst person in the world, can be redeemed. And here's the, the messed up part. If you were just a casual viewer of CNN and you thought that they were still a news organization and you thought the ADL was a legitimate defender of people, because that's what both of them used to be, what you saw would be so confusing because you would think, why is, why is Elon Musk turned into this terrible person, according to them? Why, why is he trying to stop you know, this good work of the ADL? You wouldn't know anything that's going on. You would be completely lost 
because the, the layers of bullshit are so thick that there's an entire segment of the, the world that just doesn't know none of it's real. So anyway, it's going to be part of my mission to uh, make sure the ADL has the worst reputation they could possibly have because they are an existential threat to the United States. All right. There's a big story about the uh, Liberty Safe Company who under, uh, with, what would you call it, a legal cover, were asked by the FBI to give up their secret code that would open a customer safe. There was a warrant. Yeah, there was a warrant. Let, let me use the legal word. So the FBI had a warrant. It was all very legal. I don't even remember what the case was. Whose safe was it? Can you remind me whose safe they got into? Which turned out to be less important than the safe story? Oh, it was one of the January Sixers. Okay. So one of the January Sixers had a Liberty safe by the Liberty Company. And uh, so the FBI wanted to get in it, so they just took a warrant to the safe company, and they got the secret code and went and opened the safe. Now, what did all the uh, Republicans say about that, conservatives? They said, my God, what's the point of having a safe if, if law enforcement can open it any time they want? Do you know how dumb that argument is? I hate to say. All right, so here, here, here I'm going to offend most of you, because most of you are on the side of, how could they have a backdoor to the safe and give it to law enforcement, right? And you're all like, oh, that's terrible. Okay, that's the worst argument. Let, let, let me wake you up for a little bit. There's no such thing as a safe the FBI can't get into. <laughs> they, they were going to get into the safe. Do, do you think that the code, the code was the only way they were going to get into the safe? Of course not. So does it matter that the company had the code? Now, the reason the company keeps the code is for the benefit of the customers. Right? It's the benefit of the customers. That's the only reason. So if you lose your, I don't know, if you can't get into your own safe, forget the combo or something, then uh, you can call the company and they'll give you your secret code once they determine it's really you, and you can get in. Now, the company is gonna, probably going to get boycotted by conservatives because they don't understand anything about how anything works. Let me ask you this. Did you not already know that the safe companies have a secret code? You didn't already know that? Really? <laughs> did, of course. Of course they do. Right. And are you also worried about uh, digital money? Is anybody worried about the government having you know, digital money, like a digital currency? Because then they can turn off your services, make you not buy things, right? Yeah. How much uh, cash do you keep in your wallet versus your credit card purchases and your ATM, per- your uh, debit card? When was the last time you paid cash or anything? Do some of you still use cash? I literally don't know the last... Oh, I can think of one, I guess. <laughs> Almost all of your purchases are with digital money. They can turn off your credit card anytime they want. They can turn off your bank tomorrow. They don't need any digital currency to turn off your ability to buy stuff. You know, now, in the short run, you could maybe figure out how to be a, you know, live off the grid and have cash. But how long is that going to last? <laughs> That's not exactly a lasting. You know, you're going to pay your mortgage with cash. 
I mean, not, the, the government can turn off your spending anytime they want and always could. Well, always since there were credit cards and banks and stuff. Yeah. So a, a lot of what people are worried will happen happened a long time ago. It's the same with privacy. You're, you're worried that, uh, that they might get into your stuff. But where have you been? The government can get into anything they're interested in. Anything. They just need a reason. Do you, do you think that they care about what you're doing if you're not you know, interesting? In other words, if you haven't done something political or done something illegal, they don't care. So you have, you have privacy only because nobody cares. But that's it. And it's been that way for years. For years, we've had no privacy. We've only had the privacy of not being interesting, so nobody looked. The moment the government is interested in you, but here's the trick. As a criminal, that would be one reason they're interested in you, because there's evidence of a crime. What's the other reason? For political reasons. Yeah. There's literally nothing to stop the government from making up a bullshit reason to study. You know, maybe they're looking, they can find a, a warrant against somebody you're talking to, and then that gets them records, you know, your records. You never had any privacy, right? Never had it. Now, I suppose if you're worried that the NSA will, like, pick up your language that you're using and, you know, they'll automatically flag you in a way that they don't now, maybe. But is that a privacy problem? Or is that just they're really good at violating it? But no, you never had any privacy. Your safe was never secure, not from the government. Your safe is only secure from your stupid neighbor's kid who broke into your garage. You don't want them to get your guns. But you were never safe from the government. So all of those complaints are, I think, looking to bankrupt a company that was just doing what a safe company should probably do, which is serve its customers. Uh, well, Jacob, you're coming in late because I just explained how my book listing has been removed once again by Amazon. So somebody here is like, but at least Scott can sell books. No, <laughs> not very easily, turns out. I can't. I'm the most canceled person in the country. Somebody says, well, at least, at least Scott can sell some books. Try finding any of the 45 books they canceled. Good luck with that. All right. Um, so... Are you following this 14th Amendment uh, coup? As Joel Pollack points out, um, so a number of the states are looking to deny Trump the ability to run in their state by um, pushing this 14th Amendment, which would call him an insurrectionist, basically, basically, and say, you can't run for president in our state, or at least we won't put you on the ballot, because you're an insurrectionist. Now, Apparently, there's a lot of energy behind this. Like, it's not just a fluky thing. There are a number of states that are looking at it very seriously and pursuing it. Now, as Joel points out, uh, the Democrats are operating like the Iranian regime. Does that sound too far? Is that, is that too, much of a, too much of an exaggeration? Well, he backs it up. Here's the next part of the sentence. Trying to disqualify the opposition and that claiming that what's left is the democratic election. 
That's exactly the Iranian system. The Iranian system is, of course, it's a democracy once we decide who's on the ballot. Oh, you want this guy in the ballot? Well, he's disqualified. But of the people that we approve of, totally democratic. It's literally, no, there's no exaggeration, this is literally the Iranian system, that the people in charge, the people running the elections, decide who gets, gets to run as opposed to the people deciding. That is the Iranian system. You know, normally I, I would mock you know, any kind of analogy in this, in this you know, usually because analogies are imperfect, but in the central point of the analogy, it's right on. It's exact. If you, if you can't run because the people in charge say you won't be on the ballot, that's the Iranian system. That's the exact Iranian system. And the Democrats are plotting this, and how do you not call it an insurrection that they're doing this? Isn't what they're doing right now an active insurrection? They're involved in it at the moment. But do you know why that nobody would call it that? It's because they're, they're following a legal process. And a legal process can be resolved by working it up through the court system. Maybe you get to the Supreme Court, and then it gets resolved. So that's not really, a, it's not really an insurrection if the court system can resolve it, right? Wouldn't you agree? That if there's something going on that the courts can resolve in the normal, the normal manner that they do, nothing special, that's not really an insurrection. That's people using the law, and then the law decides what uses were appropriate. Exactly like January 6th. Alternate electors, maybe they were no bueno. Maybe they weren't. I don't know. But I know the court could work it out. That's it. So it's exactly January 6th. It's a legal process that maybe the courts would throw away, just as I imagine they might throw away this um, 14th Amendment thing. At the same time that one group is being put in jail for 22 years for minor crimes related to what they call an insurrection, the reason the minor crimes are getting the long sentences is because it's in the context of an insurrection. That, that would be the argument. It's way worse because the context is insurrection. But they're actually doing the same kind of insurrection meaning using the law as it exists until some larger court, some higher court, says it's either an acceptable use or it isn't. Same process. And one of them is putting people in jail for 22 years for shaking a fence and breaking a window. And one of them is uh, being applauded and probably re-elected. Yeah. Nothing in the country is working. It's all corrupt. It's all bullshit. It's all corrupt. Every fucking thing. Want to see another one? Uh, Do you remember the uh, sanctuary cities? Hey, you immigrants, you can all come here because we don't care about the inconvenience or the expense or maybe any added crime or any of that. What we care about is that if you come here, you're safe. So the southern states, Texas and Florida, said... Well, let's see if you mean that. So they started shipping people, the immigrants, to their states. As of today, uh, the mayor, Mayor Adams of uh, New York City, says that basically New York City is done. They're cooked. That the city is dead. 
or it's on its way to being dead for sure, because the number of immigrants coming in, 10,000 per month, are completely unsustainable, and it's turning the city into a hellscape. They're 12 billion in deficit, and they're going to have to cut budgets, you know, way down to be able to afford all the immigrants. And he's saying out loud, basically, it didn't work. This whole, you know, he's not saying those words, but he's saying clearly, the system doesn't work, and that you have to treat it some other way. Um, yeah, so. This is a perfect example of how this is amplify, embrace and amplify. So that's what the, uh, the, the governors were doing. So DeSantis and Abbott were embracing the idea that these are sanctuary cities, and they're saying, great, then take all the, all the people who want sanctuary. They're all yours. So all they did is follow the rules the way they were presented, and they found that uh, nobody liked it. Because you know Why? The rules were never real. They were always bullshit. There, there wasn't any possibility that that set of rules could create a, a stable situation. It could only create exactly what we're seeing. There was no other way it could go. And I think everybody knew it, but it took two smart governors to you know, push the case. Because if the only thing that happened is uh, Florida and Texas became more Democrat, you know, that, that's what... The, the free immigration people would imagine would happen. If that's all that would happen, I don't think anybody would care outside of those states. But the, those two states cleverly made other states care and pushed, pushed it just right. So our immigration is completely broken. The whole sanctuary city thing was a joke from the start. I mean, it had some good purpose. The purpose is that uh, the immigrant community could talk to the police without worrying about getting deported. So, I mean, you could make an argument for that. Maybe not a convincing one, but at least there is an argument for that, right? So, here it is again. Everything about this is broken. Um, how about... Uh, <laughs> uh, there's a CNN poll on what things about Biden Democrats themselves are worried about. So there's a really long list of things that they get worried about, including his age. That was the number one answer, 49%. But also had a whole list of other things that people could be worried about, such as his policies, right? But the interesting thing is that how many of the things on the list also got to his incompetence. For example, um, these are separate categories. You could be worried that he's too old. You could be worried separately that he's mentally incompetent. What does too old mean? Um, They worry separately. It's a different category about his health, which is totally different than being worried about him being too old or mentally incompetent. Health is a whole different category. Uh, A separate category is ability to handle the job. Ability to handle the job. What would be the reason they would even think of that? Huh. Uh, the other one is a separate category, his stamina. Totally different from his age, his stamina. Um, and then uh, the, another one is misspeaking and blunders. Misspeaking and blunders. One, two, three, four, five. Six different categories that were all the same thing. 
that he's, his brain is gone. That's it. They had to break it into six categories so that you couldn't see how many Democrats agree his brain is gone. Oh, I don't know if his brain is gone, but I'd be a little worried about his stamina. Or, oh, no, I don't know about his, if he's too old, but I'm worried a little bit about his health. <laughs> Come on. Come on. This is, even the poll is complete misleading bullshit. You know, and I, and I know some people say, well, look, CNN did a poll to make Biden look bad because half of the Democrats say he's too old. No, they didn't. They, they made a poll that cleverly disguised how badly he's doing, even comparing, you know, even his own party. All right, here's a story. I don't know if this is true. Saw this on, on X. Um, and here's the, here's the claim. So you know that Larry Sinclair guy who's claiming he had some oral sex with uh, Obama? Did some coke back when Obama was you know, pre, pre-famous. And, or I guess he was just, just starting out or something. Now, I think we all agree we don't care. right? So none of us care what Obama did in his private life before he was a public figure. I don't really care. Now, you could, you could argue the hypocrisy and how did the, how did the news cover it versus how did they cover other things. So you, you could extend that, the thing you don't care about, to maybe some things you do care about. But I don't know. That feels just cheap to me. To, to me, I, I just can't care. But that's not where I'm going on this. So part of the claim, and I, I don't know if this is true, all right, we're, we're coming from a, you know, a source that would require some backup, uh, some backup, I would think. But the claim is that uh, after Larry Sinclair went public with his claims about Obama, first in 2008, that Bo Biden uh, put out an arrest warrant from him from Delaware. Bo Biden. So Bo Biden tried to have him arrested immediately after he went public about um, Obama. But now the, the arrest was valid, right? He was arrested for a real crime? Apparently not, <laughs> because he didn't get convicted of any real crimes. Apparently not. But what did happen is that uh, Joe Biden became the vice president soon after Bo Biden did a favor for Obama. That's right. So Bo Biden does a favor for Obama by taking out his critic. And then, then the father is picked as the vice president soon after. Huh. So... Can you, can you see all the gears of the machine? Were you, were you ever um, wondering why Obama, who's obviously smart, obviously knows that Joe Biden is a disaster, why would he pick him? What possible reason would somebody as smart as Obama pick somebody as crooked and incapable as Biden? I can only think of one reason. Biden was his tool. And he knew he could control Biden because Biden was crooked. So what he needed was the most crooked guy he could to do all the shit that he didn't want to do himself. Give him a level of deniability. Well, I don't know. Biden did that. 
Yeah. So to me, it looks like uh, the Obama administration was a criminal enterprise. Is that too strong? <laughs> I think it was a criminal enterprise. Yeah. Um, all the indications are that. All right. Um, pretty sure there was something else I was going to talk about here. Oh, Microsoft is uh, going to try to meet their climate goals by storing CO2 in rocks. Now, uh, isn't there also a story about 1,600 scientists saying climate alarm is not warranted? The climate's changing, they say, but, um, but don't be alarmed. The alarm part is what they're questioning. Again, I say, and I think they were questioning the models, it's amazing to me that um, the news convinced the public that the models that predict the climate, that that's science. That, to me, that's one of the greatest you know, accomplishments of fake news, convincing people that pre- prediction models are part of science. It's really the opposite. Do you know what predictions models are made to do? Because I used to make them. That used to be my job when I was a, working in a bank and then the phone company, is I would predict you know, what the budget would do in a year. I'd predict how a new project would turn out. You know, well, we'd spend some money, but we'll make that back in five years or whatever. How, how accurate were my predictions? I don't know. No way to know. Do you know why we did these predictions that we couldn't imagine were accurate or not? And we had no idea. It was just no way to know. Because we didn't use them to find out what was true. That's not what they were for. Do you know what they were for? Prediction models are for persuasion. That's it. They're just for persuasion. Now, it might be persuasion in the service of getting funding. It might be persuasion because you believe something is, is a legitimate danger, and it's hard to convince people, so you use these models. Models are not science. They are propaganda and persuasion. By their nature. Uh, I'm not saying that somebody took a good tool and they, you know, they corrupted it. No, the tool is corrupt. <clears throat> By its nature, it can only be corrupt. It doesn't have a legitimate use. Well, okay, I'll, I'll, give, them, I'll give you this. Um, your models, if you have enough models, and you play with it long enough, you could create a cone of probability. But even that would be pretty suspicious, right? Yeah, the best you can do is say, well, we don't know, but probably within this range, it'll turn out. It's not going to be way up here. It's not going to be way down here. It's, you know, worst case is here, best case here. So somewhere in this range, that's the best case. Do you, do you think models have done a good job historically of even predicting the range? No. No. There's no science, no logic that would say they ever could. They're not even for that. They are for persuasion. Because if the scientist told you in words, all right, I got some words for you. I studied some things. Humans are creating greenhouse gases. It's making things warmer. Uh, I predict it'll be way warmer, and then things will fall apart. And then people will say, "Uh uh-huh, I've got a lot of things to worry about today. So they go back and they go, okay, nobody's persuaded by our facts. 
we're going to need something visual. So then suddenly you've got a hockey stick prediction, you know, the famous one that things will be getting warmer gradually, then out of control. Now you've got something to look at, and you can say, whoa, that's a scary shape. Look at that shape. The shape scares me. Because we're visual creatures. You have to turn it visual. So the only reason for models is that it's hard to get people worked up legitimately or illegitimately with just straight facts. You've got to turn it into a picture. You've got to show a dying uh, polar bear. So it's got to be visual. So every time you see anything visual, whether it's a picture of a graph or a, or a hurricane or a dying thing, those are all in the field of persuasion. None of that's science, nor does it confirm any science. Right? If they did separately a test that confirmed it, you could, maybe. Maybe. Probably not. Um, but you have to understand, all of that is not science, and the fact that CNN and MSNBC and all the illegitimate entities are trying to convince you that it is. And that if you don't believe the persuasion part, you don't believe science. As, as if... Now, here's why, here's why I will never be uh, asked by MSNBC or CNN to give my opinion on climate. Because, except for Vivek, I have the best opinion. Well, best explained opinion. Because most people can't explain what's wrong with models. You'd, you would have to have actually that experience to know that you can tweak a variable and get anything you want. Because I did. <laughs> it was my job. Tweaking variables to get what my boss wanted the answer to be. That was my job. Do you think if I had a prediction that said that the thing that they wanted to do was uneconomical, do you think I was going to bring that to my boss? Why would I? I would just have to go back and change it. <laughs> That's how the real world works. The real world doesn't use projections as information. It's just propaganda, persuasion, and it's, it's, it's an icky part of the, the process. It's basically marketing. It's marketing for scientists. That's what it is. And people are judging the marketing and, a, and acting like the marketing is the science. That's one of those things that I can say that regular people can't say because I have a little more freedom. All right. Was there any story I missed? Your eyes look high? My eyes look bloodshot because I'm tired. I've been working too hard. Working way too hard. No, I'm not high. But, but thanks for asking. Don Steele says... Nobody gives a shit about Scott's position on anything, and he's butthurt. Don, you're on my live stream. Did, did you look at all the things you could do today in your life? And you said, you know what I could do? I'd like to be on the worthless guy's live stream today. That was your decision, Don. So if I'm worthless, that would make you like the dingleberry on the worthless guy's ass. Right. So at least the worthless guy was important enough for you to be my dingleberry. So dingleberry Dan, dingleberry Don, 
uh, has decided that that was how, the value he would add to the world today. So the value you added was that. Huh? All right, I have one more story to blow your minds. You ready? So this is a true story that I can confirm, and you can confirm it too, actually. It's easy to confirm. Um, RFK Jr. has this problem with his voice called spasmodic dysphonia. Most of you know I had exactly the same disorder, and you don't hear it. You can, you can confirm with your own ears that I do not sound like RFK Jr. And I was cured by surgery. The, the reason I got cured by surgery is that um, I found a doctor who knew a doctor who was doing a surgery. So I didn't use any public sources. You know, I didn't use Google. Google didn't turn it up. Couldn't find it in any search. But a doctor knew a doctor who knew a doctor that got me to Dr. Gerald Burke uh, at uh, the U.S. Let's see, what is it? Southern, there's a Southern California entity, a uh, big important one with a long name. Anyway, so I talked to other people who had done the surgery, and they, all, they were all perfect. They were cured. They all had perfect voices. So I knew it was real because I talked to people who did it, real people. So I did the surgery, and it's a long recovery, but now I'm recovered. And my voice is, you know, at least you can understand it. Now, if you were to do a Google search, which, by the way, I would invite you to do right now. If you have a second screen, type in cure for spasmodic dysphonia. And what should pop up? The cure, right? I have the cure. It's a, it's a known surgery by very respectable top surgeons. You know, it's not, it's not, I'm not talking about randos. I'm talking about one of the top surgeons in this field. Invented the cure. But no, instead of saying that there's a cure, it'll say there's no cure, but it can be treated by Botox injections through the front of your throat to your, your vocal cords that will stun the vocal cords with a little bit of poison uh, so that they don't spasm as hard, but you talk like you did helium. You can talk, you can talk, but no matter what your voice sounded like before, it would sound like this. So sometimes for like a week, your voice would be okay. But uh, several weeks later, after it got worse and worse and worse, then you would get another shot. And it would still be worse because you just get shot. But then after a week or so, you'd be able to talk like this for a little while. And remember, the, the injection goes through the front of your throat to reach the interior back of your throat where your vocal cords are. And they're just kind of guessing. They're guessing if the needle's hitting the right place because they can't see it. And they use a little uh, um, sound thing where, they, where you go, I think you hum or something. You go, huh, and then they see if they can pick up the sound. But they're basically kind of guessing. I had this treatment. It's the most horrid medical procedure I've ever had because you're awake when they stick a needle through the front of your throat. The first needle is just to dead your throat because the second needle is the big one. Yeah, it's literally the worst thing I've ever done. (laughs) So I stopped doing it because I had to stop doing it to find out if any other thing worked. 
because if you were doing the Botox injections, um, you couldn't really test anything else because they would be you know, ruining the experiment. So I let mine wear off so that I couldn't speak pretty much at all for, I don't know, a year or so until I found the surgery. And there's a long recovery, so it takes a long time to recover. But it works. So now so, some of you have done your Google search, right? And you searched cure for spasmodic dysphonia. And what did you discover? That the surgery is not listed. It says there's no cure, but, the, but you can treat it with Botox, you know, the, which they use the technical name for, and that you'll, you'll have to keep doing it for the rest of your life. I think the last time I priced it was $900 of uh, Botox per treatment, and I'd have to go back once a month times, I don't know, 50,000 people. So 50,000 people, 900 a month. And for that kind of money, what happens when you do a Google search? It only says Botox. That's right. So right now there are, I would guess, something like 30,000 people in the country who have the problem. And if they're lucky enough to know the name of the problem, which is actually hard to get, because you, you just if you think it could be one of 50 different things, and you've never heard of spasmodic dysphonia, so you don't even know what to look for. But if you're lucky enough to find the name, you'll search for the cure, and it won't be there. And then your doctor will say, well, let me look. The doctor can't find it either, you know, with different sources. Think about that. The doctor can't find out there's a cure. Now, most doctors don't deal with many of these because it's, it's sufficiently rare that most doctors will never see one case, right? So it's spread, you know, it's spread around everywhere. So probably 30,000 people are, have a voice disorder, which is very highly correlated with suicide. Do you know why this voice disorder is correlated with suicide, or at least suicide ideation? Because you want to kill yourself the whole time. Your, your life is so bad when you can't talk, you can't have conversations. You can't get into relationships. Like, if you're not already married, good luck. And if you are married, you're going to get divorced because you can't talk. The phone rings and you can't answer it. It's actually not worth living. I'll say it directly. When, when I didn't think there was a cure, I did have a second option. Now, I wouldn't have done it because I was married and you know, had responsibilities and stuff. So it wasn't an option for me because I had you know, real-world things to take care of. But I wanted to. I wanted to. Every day I wanted to. I woke up every day and wanted to take my own life. And if you talk to other people who have this disorder, they're going to tell you the same thing. They may not admit it to the people in their life because, you know, same reason, they need to stay alive. They may have people who depend on them. But they want to kill themselves. It's that bad. So how bad is this situation? Do, do you believe that RFK Jr. is correct when he says, generally speaking, that the big pharma industry is not on your side? Because in this situation, that's 30,000 people who wake up every day, don't know that they could be cured, and want to kill themselves. Now, if I were not talking to you live, so you could actually hear my cured voice, 
see my, th- this is my scar, if you're watching it on live stream. That's the uh, surgery scar right there. Right? This is real. And you can also check for yourself that the surgical cure does not show up on Google search. You can see for yourself. You can hear me. You could talk to other people. You could talk to Dr. Gerald Burke, B-E-R-K-E. He'll pop up in the search. You could ask him, is there really a cure? Yes. Have you cured many people? Yes. Has Scott done a publicity campaign so that people would know this cure is available? I have. In fact, there was a people feature story about me just to highlight that there's a cure. Do you think that comes up if you do a search? Nope. Nope. I don't even know if you could ever find it. But it wouldn't be anywhere near the top. So I did a whole publicity, like, you know, I spent a lot of time talking to news people and outlets and magazines so that other people could do a Google search. This is exactly why I did it. I did it for the SEO. I did it so it would show up on a Google search. Didn't work. It worked for a little while. For a little while, you know, you could find it, but it eventually got pushed down. So that's the, that's the world you live in. You've got a Mitch McConnell who I have to assume is corrupt, because otherwise he would have retired. I see no other explanation except corruption. You've got a corrupt Joe Biden with a corrupt family situation. Whatever happened with this Obama story and Bo Biden, if it's true, it looks corrupt to me. You've got the ADL, which is pretending to be you know, defending the people who need to be defended, but it's a joke. It's a corrupt organization, just an organ of the corrupt Democrat Party. We've got a coup in progress that's you know, masked by the, the legal system, but the, the 14th Amendment stuff is just a coup. I don't know what else to call it. And, yeah, I mean, if January 6th was a coup, this was a coup. So is there anything that's not corrupt? You know, we're talking about bringing masks back. We're talking about requiring vaccinations. After hearing my Botox story, would you get a vaccination? Now, I realize they're different companies, but, but it does tell you what environment you're in. You're in an environment of zero trust. And the reason it's a zero trust environment is that everybody's corrupt. Every organization is corrupt. All of them. You trust Alex Berenson? Good luck. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I get that. I get that the critics got some stuff right, but there's nobody you can trust. Yeah, I wouldn't confuse somebody who agrees with you with somebody who's credible. That's those are not the same things. Because you know, I believe he questioned everything about the pandemic and got three quarters of him right. Is that about right? He basically said everything was bullshit no matter what they said. And he was probably right 75% of the time, which is impressive. It's pretty impressive, actually. Um, But somebody was going to be right, and that's the part the public doesn't see. For any question that's binary, it's either true or it's not true, 
won't there always be people on both sides? So you can guarantee that somebody's going to be right, but not because they're smart. (laughs) There just had to be somebody right because there were only two choices and there were people on both sides. So of course somebody was going to be right. Um, Dr. Peter McCullough says the House of Medicine is on fire. True. And Dr. Jordan Peterson just called out Dr. McCullough for not understanding a study. In like a really basic way. So if, if Dr. McCullough is your standard, he also, I think, was right about a lot of stuff. Right? Wasn't he right about a lot of stuff? And in his... In his uh, skepticism, I think his skepticism was more right than wrong. But it's also true that the examples he used were embarrassingly misinterpreted. Both things can be true. So the, the, the uh, medical community seems completely fraudulent. Oh, somebody found the... Uh, how, how hard did you have to look for it? before you found my surgical cure. Uh, success rates range from 50 to 80% with surgery. Is not for every patient. Well, that's true. But Mount Sinai is also not the experts at that surgery. <laughs> if you talk to the person who invented it, it's closer to a 75% um, improvement. But you do have to pick. You have to pick your patients. That is correct. If you if you don't if you don't uh, have some selectivity about the patients, it'll be lower, of course. Uh, you are maybe Rupard. Maybe the vax data was done by age and by comorbidity. Do you think it was? <laughs> maybe. Uh, I'll, get, I'll give you the maybe on that, but uh, Dr. Peterson asked, asked the question, and I would have asked the same one. 75% is not a complete cure. No, 75% are people who are uh, happy that they had functional voices. So do I sound cured? Does it, does it sound like you can't understand what I say? That's a complete cure. So, But not for every person, that's true. People had very various forms of success. Uh, we don't judge you for getting vaxxed. Well, most of you do, actually. Yeah, mo- most of you who are mad at my vaccination status are comparing it to your own choices for a different body. Now, I don't know how many times I have to say that's stupid, but I'm just giving up on it for now. I'm just going to give up on it. Because I, I don't know how you can... I don't know how many times a, a 25-year-old healthy person can say that I should have made the same choice, no doubt about it. Maybe I should have. Maybe I should have. But if you're not me, stay the fuck out of it. All right. Um, my reason was weak. You don't know my reason. If you think my reason was weak, you don't know my reason. So let, let, let's understand that you don't know what my internal thought process was. Would you agree with that? Would you agree that none of you know my internal thought process? So therefore, you don't know anything. 
Because you're judging my thought process. You're not judging the vaccination. You're judging me. So you actually think you're a mind reader of some kind. Because you think I should have made the same choice as you, even though I was in a completely different and unique situation. Um, What about Phil Bump? You need to learn how to research from Phil Bump. Has anybody seen Phil Bump? Go back. So now that you know that the Washington Post is not real news and hasn't been for a long time, you know it's a CIA organ or, I don't know, FBI or whoever it is. Yeah, but it, you know, our news is not real. The political stuff is all CIA-driven. So how do, you, how do you feel about that Ukraine war? Do you, think we, do you think there would be a war in Ukraine if our government were not corrupt? I don't think so. I don't think so. I mean, maybe Putin would have taken over Ukraine. That's possible. But I don't think there would be a war without corruption. I, I believe the entire war is, is a cover for, or an opportunity for, or maybe both, corruption. So to me, it's not a war. It's a bunch of corruption that has violence associated with it. It's more like, more like the mafia than a war. And by the way, do you know why we don't need to worry about Putin using nukes? Do you know why we don't have to worry about Putin using nukes? He doesn't need them. (laughs) To me, that's the whole story. Because he has more bodies than the Ukrainians, and apparently the Russians don't have any political pushback. Now... It might be hard to get information out of Russia that's accurate, but is there any evidence whatsoever that the Russian people are too concerned about how many prisoners and young men they send to die? It doesn't appear that there's any political pushback whatsoever in Russia. Am I wrong? I mean, I haven't seen evidence of it, not that we would necessarily know, but as long as there's no public pushback to the number of young men who are being killed, and as long as they can pay their bills, basically, as long as Moscow is fine, they can just keep running it. And the Ukrainians are going to run out of human beings. So why would you nuke when you could just keep doing what you're doing and be patient? So we have basically zero nuclear risk because the whole thing is a corrupt, ridiculous charade I like to say charade, not charade. Um, It's obvious. It's obvious that we know that Russia is going to grind down the Ukrainians. Now, that could be the the end of the story. It could be Ukraine runs out of people. Uh, I was talking about this on the podcast with uh, Colonel uh, Manis. And... He was saying that the big variable is going to be, you know, Ukrainian soldiers. So they'll just run out of soldiers. But I said, um, being no military mind myself, how, can somebody give me a fact check? How long has the actual invasion, the original invasion was when? How long ago? When Russia moved in? Because I'm, lo- I'm losing my sense. Uh, you're having the same problem. You're losing your sense of time. Well, let's not count 2014. I know, I know where you're going with that, but 
if you count the more modern move, February 22. All right. So a year and a half, or a year and eight months, or whatever it is. So here's the question. Do you think that in a year and eight months, or whatever, the United States, uh, working with Ukraine, do you think that they haven't built an enormous uh, drone army that's waiting to be launched? Now, maybe not. I, I have no information, no inside information. But if I were running a major war and I knew that drones were going to be, and things that fly were going to be the major determinant of outcomes, I would immediately spin up a wartime secret facility. It would have to be secret. So we wouldn't know about it. And I would start making uh, programmable uh, drones that could fly in waves. So here's what I think. Uh, I'll give you a... uh, let's say, a uh, half prediction. It's a half prediction because maybe 50% chance that when the Ukrainians are legitimately running out of bodies, like actually don't have any, you know, to run the big machines, and it looks like Russia could just, you know, walk over them, that there has to be another response, which is not going to be just quit and give up. I think that you're going to see the sky blackened with drones. I feel like there might be an enormous, um, let's say, wave of drones that nobody's ever seen in warfare before that would only be unleashed if it's necessary. That other, otherwise, maybe we'd keep this in our back pocket. But I feel like the Ukrainians would not be managing the drones, if you know what I mean. So if you have one, let's say, master control... To, to handle an army of drones that are operating in unison and just blacking the sky over the enemy. You would need somebody who's like the, the central operator of that. And there's no way that's going to be a Ukrainian. Am I wrong? It's, it's going to be an American. Because, or maybe NATO, but I, I, don't, I don't see anybody but America making that many drones that fast. Now... As Colonel um, Mana said, we may not have the manufacturing ability anymore. It's possible we don't know how to do it. You know, maybe there's some parts we can't get. Maybe we would need China to do it, and, you know, that would be awkward. Um, But here's my best guess. There is an enormous secret, just a guess, enormous secret drone fleet that's being prepared. It might be you know, a few, few months away from being ready or something. But if you could just send over a wave of killer drones, that changes the war, doesn't it? I don't know how you would defend against it. There would just be too many. So, yeah, I, I think the thing that would keep us from doing it is that it would be too obvious that Americans were operating them but that we would drop our worry that it's too obvious Americans are in the war directly. I think we would drop that objection the same way we dropped the, what, F-16s? Oh, we'll never give you these, these really good ones. Okay, you can have them. Well, we're never going to give you any of these high Mars. Okay, you're going to need some high Mars, right? So we don't give them anything until there's no choice. And we're, we're running up against the point where there, there will be no choice 
but to introduce a wave of drones that are operated by Americans who we will try to tell the Russians are not Americans. But there's no way in hell a Ukrainian is going to be sitting at the control panel for you know, 10,000 American drones as, you know, operating as one. There's no way that's going to happen. So, anyway, so war is unpredictable. No. Did you hear Tucker is doing a story on Keith Olbermann cucking Phil Bump? Uh, I don't know. Is that real? It's coming from NPC Court Jester. That doesn't sound real. Oh, uh, Lucky Palmer. Or, I'm sorry, uh, Palmer Lucky? Wait, is it Lucky Palmer or Palmer Lucky? He's got two first names and two last names. I'm not. Uh, I, I've actually talked to him, and I'm forgetting which which it is. Um, but Andrill is his. Uh, oh, who's telling me this? Oh, well, I've got a feeling it's somebody who knows his proper name. Uh, all right. So one kook attacking. Uh, they're already sitting in control of thousands of drones, drones even on paper. Yeah. So Andurill is an American drone maker. Now, they've been around for five years or so. Um, how, lo- you know, how, many, uh, how many drones can you make in five years? I've got a feeling we have a lot of them, or we could by now. All right. Um, that's all I got for today. YouTube, thanks for joining. I hope I was not too depressive, depressing, talking about how everything's broken and corrupt, but maybe you know more than you did. And I will talk to you tomorrow. Bye for now.